My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? I'm not saying that to be like I'm prophetic or something like that. Just things we've been talking about for many, many years are really coming to light for a lot, a lot of people now, right? And more and more information is bubbling up and being and being found because of this, right? There's really a great awakening happening in this sort of sense. Is that a lot of things that I got into, for instance, like Mayan calendar, studying Mayan calendar stuff, studying Egyptian pyramids, studying Chichen Itza, and like all of these ancient basically megalithic sites and things like that where the stonework is insane the gothic cathedrals the the architecture is just absolutely astounding all that sort of stuff none of that shit fits with the timeline of history that we're given this sort of slow evolution of thing from simple to complex kind of thing that they they push right an overall belief system that's really been programmed into us All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer. And today, on another wonderful episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, episode 107, 1 plus 7 plus 0 equals 8. Why is that important? Well, you'll get into it today with our guest, Marty Leeds, the man, the myth, the Gematria legend. That's right, Marty Leeds is the man who I first learned about Gematria from, at least. I remember about six years ago, I bought his book, Pi and the English Alphabet, Volume 1, eh, maybe four years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. Either way, since then, he's come out with two more volumes. That's right, there's three volumes. So we got into a lot of stuff. We talked about Gematria. We talked about syncretism. We talked about the law of correspondence and and the microcosm macrocosm that we see in everything and after studying that for years and years marty's made some really interesting conclusions he's brought a lot of things to light he's had some personal revelations and we got into all of that and more on this episode of the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast and if you like what you're listening to Show us some love on Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. We got bonus content. We got early releases. That's right. You get the episodes a week ahead of time. And you'll also get a spirit animal name. Right now, we're going to give a shout out to our two newest patrons and don them with spirit animal names. Shout out to our newest patrons, Natalie K. You are the 
Ooh, the Talking Panther. You got the Talking Stick card and the Panther card. Welcome to the club, Talking Panther. Our next newest patron, also a member of the Best Friend Book Club. Shout out to you, W. Barry. What's going on? Oh, man, and what a coincidence. You got the Medicine Bundle card and the Bear card. So you are our support bear, our ally bear, medicine bear. Take your pick, my man. I think medicine bear sounds coolest. So welcome to the club for our newest patrons. If you don't have your spirit animal name yet and you are a patron, go on the Patreon. I put a list up there so you can find it. If you didn't hear it in the 100th episode or you haven't heard it in a shout out, give me a call. Give me a buzz. Reach out to me. Let me know call out put the bat signal out and i will give you a spirit animal name if you don't have one yet because you're not a patron well hey sign up join the family we'd love to have you here a lot of bonus content and we're also on rockfin show us some love on rockfin i do plan on putting more and more content on rockfin and eventually live streaming it will happen folks but all that being said, on to our awesome guest, Mr. Marty Leeds. You can find him at martyleeds33.com. Like he said, towards the end, he's got a new book coming out soon. He's got three volumes of Pi and the English Alphabet. So please show him some love. Check that out. He's also got tons and tons of podcasts that he's done all on his website. So show Marty some love. And with that, folks, enjoy this episode of the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and today on the show is somebody who I have learned so much from and it's an absolute pleasure to have him here today i remember hearing him first on greg's show the higher side chats and i immediately went online and bought his book because spoken word just cannot do justice to some of the visuals that this man has put in his incredibly impactful book it was such a big book for me in my life and decoding all of this that makes my family think I'm crazy. So without further ado, Marty, thank you for having, for joining me on the show. How are you today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, problem, man. I had always thought there was something to that, getting into alchemy, getting into the Kabbalah. You you see that there's this code of symbols and, and at first it, they're just kind of random and you wonder what they are. But when you put it to, put it to me, through that podcast that each letter of the alphabet has a number associated with it, 13 being the midpoint between the 26 letters of the alphabet and it kind of going backwards from there. It really just sent my mind in so many different directions for better or for worse. I mean, that's for the, the audience to judge, but I definitely think that this sort of pattern seeking is interesting and it shows, it shows something about mathematics that I think really exposes the indoctrination in the sense that like, and I'm sure you get this all the time. People say, oh, I, I hated math in school. I myself 
was the same way. But that I think is done purposefully to get people to not see the creator in nature and in the natural world around us and even in the man-made world and how they use those codes and symbols to give a picture of something that uh, maybe the masses are ignorant of. Yeah, there's like the, it's like uh, the, um, we would call like esoteric nature of reality is, is in that sense, the true reality because it's the reality that incorporates all the divine sciences It incorporates all the astrology, all the alchemy, all that sort of stuff. So that's the world that we live in and the, the powers that should not be, if you will, do all spend a lot of time making sure that any reference to that, the occult, the esoteric, the mystical, the magical has this really dark sort of oogly boogly kind of thing to it. And so it always keeps us away from it. So, so I kind of just went into it in my life with like sort of fresh eyes. Like I didn't have, I kind of spent a lot of time like untethering myself or whatever, unlaking chains to say, don't go here, don't look here and that sort of stuff. And they, the, that, uh, that level of material, that wisdom tradition that's behind all that is behind all, all of the religions of the world. And it's alive and well with, in our world. And most people just have no idea about it. And so, but it's really the true nature of our reality. And that's why they want to keep it hidden from the everyday person. And so they do that with all sorts of things. Number one, keeping people away from mathematics, because that, like I say, that's, that's basically your, the medium in which God uses to create the world. And you can see that in everything from the digits of our fingers to snowflakes falling in the sky and forming out in crystalline water or crystalline into forms like hexagons and things like that. So yeah, I don't know where you want to go. Before we, before we get too far, before we get too far into the details, when did this start for you, Marty? When did that code first come to you and, and how did you begin to crack the codes? Well, it's a lifelong pursuit right? in many respects, but I didn't start studying deeply the occult till probably I was like maybe 28 years old or something like that. And they say like around the Saturn return, I'd been studying things parallel to the occult, like architecture, old occult, uh, or I mean, um, I should say like, like the Gothic cathedrals and, you know, pyramids and things like that. Like, cause it was really fascinating and all that sort of stuff, but I didn't get really get into studying things like Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, symbolism, stuff like that. till starting around 28. And then when that hit, I pretty much went full, full bore. That's all I was studying. And so from, and so, but be, before that it was studying things like, well, it, all the modern sciences, quantum physics, and all the knowledge of astrophysics and history. And a lot of stuff that we know now is complete horseshit, but I spent a lot of time doing that. And so then, like I said, around Saturn return, that's really when the paddle hit the metal. And I basically just dove into that material because it seemed like there was a lot of answers there. It seemed like whatever that was being covered in those avenues were not being talked about a lot about in any sort of contemporary academic college or blah, 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 blah. So that was a mystery in and of itself, but also that they seem to be focused on the religions of the world and also all of this symbology that we see everywhere that gets implanted into our heads, like all seeing eye of God, double-headed bird, blah, 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 blah. Right. So from there in like crazy intense studying, because that had already been pretty voracious reader for a long time at that point and then got into that material and it was just like you know doors started opening 
And so when I got to the math part, that's just when everything started connecting. It was like a, it was a medium in which you could sort of take all of these disparate ideas and philosophies and notions and things like that and start putting patterns to them, that sort of thing to sort of map out their meaning, if you will. Right. A big, so the, the, the cipher itself, I don't even know when it was, I think 32 or 33, I think is when, like when basically one just showed up, this is actually a really important point. I've been writing about this right now in the new book is like those things in, in essence, those epiphanies or revelations or little moments of clarity or whatever, it's like sudden booms, a flash of inspiration comes. A lot of people have this as a musician, a lot, this happens a lot to musicians. Like the best, and I've talked to other musicians about this. I've heard interviews with musicians talking about this. So songwriters where the best song will just sort of show up in your lap. You'll just be playing one night, next thing, boom, oh, it's like, and that, that motherfucker's written before you even thought about it. Right. And those are all, it seems like in that process, something's gifted, something's given. Like you're not really writing it in stands. It's kind of just like, Here's a sort of melody, a harmony that's out there. And it's just kind of blown. But I mean, it just sort of plops in your lap. That experience has been, like I said, I've talked to musicians about that. I've experienced it many, many, many times. The best songs that I've ever written. I really don't feel like I was sitting there pattern, you know, patterning it out. Is my internet going bad? Anyway, those are all, they, they seem like gifts, right? Flashes of inspiration. So the same sort of thing happens never realm, right? Where, when, oh, the, the, the night that this anger just sort of, it probably unfolded within like a minute and a half, two minutes, maybe. And so that notion of receiving gifts, right? Epiphanies from another place is exactly what Kabbalah means. So it means to receiving or like, yeah, like a gift. So those flashes of revelation, and that's exactly what it, like Gnosticism actually is. Gnosis is essentially a mystical insight into, well, I mean, the mystery, divine wisdom, like the sort of mystical insight into it. And so those things in my own life have been very, very real, save for all of the study of comparative mythology and mysticism and alchemy and blah, 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 save for all of that. Just going into the musical angle, it's like, no, I mean... Like I have a song that I wrote called, if I even wrote it, whatever it's called, like God's got your back, right? It's what, or God's got my back. That's what it's called. And that song just popped. It just, just was like right there. Like, in fact, I, I sang that song live on YouTube and I had, and I hadn't even sang through the third verse yet when I wrote it. I was like, I'm just going to go live and play this. And I hadn't even sang through the third verse yet because I'd already heard it in my head, how it's supposed to go. Like it was just like, bloop, here it is kind of thing. And so lots of songwriters have experienced stuff like that. So I don't, I don't try to like make divisions between those experiences and just instead I try to step back and actually see the experience for what it is. And I mean, it's like, whoa, it's like you become like a conduit or a or like I call it a stenographer for the Lord. When you put yourself in that position to be prepared to receive those things, you know what I'm saying? And I think the best discoveries, I think there's a whole book on this too. It's called, doc, I'm not going to remember the name of it. I'll give you a second. Anyway, it's a whole book about basically the best discoveries in the world were all done by epiphanies. It's like flashes of inspiration. Yeah. So. I mean, we, we hear the, that 
sort of theme throughout many of the inventors and geniuses who have innovated. But you mentioned architecture, you mentioned artwork, you mentioned these symbols being crafted into these forms of expression. I'm curious, how far have you gone into looking at the, let's say, maybe malevolent use of this stuff. It ultimately comes with like, what this is, is a system of wisdom and knowledge. So getting back to the whole thing of like, how do we talk about this? The, the, the wisdom tradition ultimately leads you to a place to understand what the human being is doing, what his role here is, what earth is in and of itself. That earth is this, in the sense, a, it's a rites of passage. That's what I've been kind of saying. It's a place where soul down to go through the process of waking up to their true selves and their true selves is basically reunification with God. This is seeking eternal life, immortality, whatever. I mean, it's got a ton of different names and a ton of different religious thoughts, but it's ultimately this idea that yes, you're a soul, you're come down here, you're trapped, you're trapped in a body, if you will, you're in this human vessel and you're there to liberate yourself ultimately to reunify with God. And that's, that's what earth is that everyone's undergoing the spiritual rights passage, right? The knowledge system behind that is, is, is the occult knowledge system in that sense, right? It's, it's the knowledge of that, the knowledge of what human beings are doing, but not only that, the scientific principles to understand God's creation in the sense, that to, to solidify the fact that God is here and you can actually discover him in the sense everywhere. In the in your hands, within every letter of the alphabet, within every number, that's through stuff, right? So all of that's hidden. So the malevolent people, the people that work on behalf of what I say, Father Time, if you will, Satan, Lucifer, that old the devil, whatever you want to say, right? That sense. Their whole goal is to basically take that knowledge and invert it, to hide it, to basically so you don't know this fundamental and you don't know who you are, where you are, what, what, what earth is, what you're doing here, the nature of God. You don't know the very fingertips in front of you. Don't you, then they'll do the whole twisting, inverting thing. We say, oh, not only, not only should you stay away from the pentagram, but it's satanic, right? Any reference to the pentagram or that, that sort of thing, any reference to the occult, any reference to the mystical, any reference to the esoteric, stay away from that sort of thing so that you don't actually understand the mystical sciences that you don't understand what you're doing here. So these people that their ultimate goal is essentially to, to hide God, hide God, hide that knowledge system, keep it for themselves and then play the little magic trick. Oh, this is what you're doing here. You little, you little worm, you little kid, you little goat. And so the, the, and that's really the difference. And I say it this way, I don't mean to ramp here, but I say it this way, it's, it's magic. Magic is just magic in that sort of sense, but it's the true nature of reality. There's the people that work on behalf of God, the almighty one true God, that would be your light magician. That'd be the people that go out and show the miracles, show how grand and, and glorified God is and how he exists within everybody. Then there's the black magicians. I say it like this as well, like those are the people that are hiding God. Those are the people that are genocidal maniacs and, and, and whatever, constantly putting these satanic rituals out in society and programming you and lying to you and blah, 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 manipulating history and all that sort of shit. So right now we see a lot of black magicians. So let's just say that. But ultimately, it's like, I say it like this. It's like you have the Hogwarts school, right? And you have in the same sort of school, which is just the knowledge system, right? That's all it is. The knowledge system of, of God. You have the people that go into school, there's Draco Malfoy, who's doing, who's going to manipulate that and right work on behalf of people. And there's your, your Harry Potter, 
who's going to use, who's literally at the same school. So that wisdom is there for anybody down here. And down here is a place of good and evil. So you're going to have those who seek out the true, the, the goodness of the world and the joy and the happiness and all that sort of thing. Ultimately, they're seeking the same set of knowledge. But you'll have the dark people that go there that literally shroud, that try to shroud the light or invert it or say, don't look this way. Right. Now, to what end do you think it's more of a, a, like closing the rest of us off from this energy source so they can have the most access to it? Or is it simply because they're evil and there's some sort of negative energy that either is inherent to them or inherent to what they're getting out of it? I mean, there's a couple different things working here. Number one, you have a, you have a sacred and profane kind of thing where it's like they, people, there are people out there that just think whether that's by race, ethnicity, religion, psychopathy, whatever, right. That they're just better than everybody, that they're the chosen ones, that they're God's special people and the rest of you are just whatever. So it does. So when you try to seek out, try to understand the rationality or their morality to it, there's no way you possibly can, because you think wrongly in in their eyes anyway that you're equal to them of course they're they're full of shit every every single person is the chosen is chosen in that sort of sense we're all chosen to be here in that sort of sense so there's that playing that at work here but then there's also the idea that you're trying to rationalize like you're trying to logic the illogical this is a problem i had for the longest time you're trying to be like well why the hell are they doing this well in in one sense there's psychopaths they're illogical by their, their very nature or they, or their true Satanists, where they actually have a hatred towards God, which is going to just drive you insane. Ultimately, they're going to lose. Ultimately, they will always, always lose because their end goal and their end game isn't in alignment with truth, isn't in alignment with God, isn't in alignment with the natural laws. And so ultimately, it doesn't matter how far they try to swing this motherfucker God is going to bring it back because that's just the way it just works down here. It's a balance of good and evil. So when you try to say, what's their end game? Well, their end game is something that they possibly could never do. And I think it's to literally destroy God in that sort of sense or control, control the process of souls coming down here and returning home to God, which is the most psychopathic thing you could possibly dream of when you talk about true cosmology and what human beings are here to do. So that's what they're trying to do. They, they'll, they'll never, they'll never succeed. Right. If you have any understanding of how truly awesome God is and how this thing actually works, they'll never succeed. Right. right. So there's that. But um, they can create a lot of health in the meantime. No. That's true. So, but that's essentially the role of evil. With, in, in, in that sense, you've got the psychopathy of sacred and profane. And then you also have the, the an agenda or an end game, what they think is that they'll be the special people or whatever, or they're, they're just complete. Once again, you're trying to logic the illogical. It's never, you're never really going to do that. Right. So we're, we're inherently free will beings in a free will universe. Any attempt to control that is against the, the laws of the universe and to bring numbers back up again that's where we see these laws encoded in everything right yeah what gamatria told uh, absolutely is is basically when you talk about the science of of that's behind like all of these religions stuff like that that ultimately tells you what you're doing here that's a universal wisdom tradition it's universal anybody can find it 
It doesn't, it's, it doesn't come through one group of people, one culture, one civilization, one religion. It is at the foundation of everything. So when you talk about seven, like you mentioned seven hermetic principles, well, in me studying this, going through all this, I don't know how many times when I was new to this, a rookie, whatever, you'd see fucking seven everywhere, everywhere. Like you just mentioned seven hermetic principles. Why is the Bible six and resting on seven, right? You would see just constantly this notion of seven repeated in some sort of, especially at the core of myth or the core of some sort of religious principle, that sort of thing, right? So that just got me thinking. It's like, okay, well, that is the one thing, math, that is universal. English is not universal. Everybody could learn English, but it's not universal. You've got Japanese over here and you got French over here and you got German here. So the, the letters and th things like that, but what is math? So that, uh, that sent me on this road of like looking at everything in, in a sense through a mathematical lens. And then what you would find is that, yeah, studying this stuff, those universals such as seven, not only are they found within all of these religions and myths and blah, 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 blah. There's a reason for it because of, of it, there's a reason that it's found there, but it's also a reason why it's holy and sacred. And then you get into all the things about the foundations of Kabbalah, the septenary cipher, your, your hands and your feet and the bone structure there. I mean, there's just a whole basically catalog of things you can talk about with the number seven. So, right. And you mentioned several times hands and, and feet, and that's why I bring the hermetic laws up because microcosm to macrocosm you see in our hands the larger how it extrapolates into the macrocosm i think that's something now just a, the law of correspondence is is a huge one that's the basically you're looking at yourself and you're then you look above and you see that the same emanative forces or principles the same divine principles have created the patterns up there and the patterns down here and this is where seven totally comes in adding one through seven is 28 one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it's 28. And that is the number of phalanges of your two hands. It's also the phalanges of your feet. So it's like, it's, you have to realize that that information is just out there. It's just something that anybody can grab, right? And it's something that if you understand it for what it is, actually ties as above and so below that, which you see in the heavens to either your hands. Moon, for instance, has a, a basically a 28 day cycle, things like that. That's something that's universal. It's there for anybody can, anybody can grab. My question ultimately became, well, where, where does that come from? In my search for God, I, I was ultimately confronted with something like that. And it's like, well, where, where does that come from? Then you get into the, 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 the heady like philosophy behind this too, right? Is that seven, like, for instance, I say like this, like the number three is just, you look at the number three. The number three is a prime number. So it has its divisors of one and three. Three squared is will equal nine. Three cubed is going to equal 27. The geometry of three in two dimensions is going to be a, it's going to be a pyramid or pyramid or triangle. If you will triangle, it's always going to have the degrees of 180, right? Adding the, adding the divisors of three is always going to equal four. Adding one through three is always going to equal six. So those things that I just described about one singular number are absolutely 100% true. They're infallible. They'll never change their principles and properties of some, this number, right? A metaphysical object, if you will, of creation. That's just one number. Okay. Now go to four. Now go to seven. Now go to nine. Now go to 121. Now go to 164. Now go to 1,280, blah, 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 blah. 
Now, every single one of those numbers has particular qualities, attributes, associations, geometric associations and corollaries, and those numbers go into infinity. So my question became, where the fuck does all that come from? Clearly what numbers in this sense become is absolute infallible proof of an intelligence behind creation. And so this circles back, we're going to Chen Psaki this thing right now. I'm going to circle back to this idea is like they, obviously the education, quote unquote, education system keeps us away from understanding math. Why? Well, just be, because of what I just said. Right. Because it's an infallible system with system of wisdom proves a creative, intelligent force behind our creation. Right. And they purposefully obfuscate it with complication, all these complicated formulas you have to learn. And I think those are equally, those are valuable in their respective fields where they're utilized. But the average person, I think, would be much better served with this understanding of the qualitative and the quantitative values of numbers. Because when you just get that quantitative version of it, you hear the same thing. Like, I'm never going to use this in life. I probably said the same thing in high school. Like, I don't need math. We're never going to use it. But you end up learning this cipher, as you put it, and you see how it connects to every single thing. And not only does it connect to all of the all, it also reveals who else is knowing this code. And you see that with the groups that you mentioned in the former part of our conversation, the Rosicrucian, the Illuminati, whoever else you wanted, the Freemasons. And I wonder if these groups, because we're kind of touching on the themes of like evil and, and, and morality. I wonder if these groups have chosen this role to participate in the gradual progression back to the creator, right? Like the creator projects itself out into the universe. And then that projection reflects back to the creator. And all of us are outside of time going through this process of projection and then reflection back to the creator. And I think our idea of hell is like that furthest point from the creator where trial by fire, you're burned and then come back again. This is kind of maybe in that uh, mystic way, something that I've thought about for many years, but I wonder, do you think that those groups, those secret societies take on that role, knowing that they're kind of participating as like agitators to kind of help humanity or, or beings, soul beings in general progress further back to the creator? I think what you have with these groups, not, 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 I think my own, what I've come to understand through studying them, like when you have Rosicrucianism and you have Freemason, when you have alchemy, right? You have Hermeticism, you have essentially these corpuses of information and bodies of work, whether that's literature and illustrations and paintings and blah, 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 right? What those serve as is what I've come to see them as is mystery schools. They're, they're living mystery schools. Most people think of school as like a building that you go to and there's a teacher and the teacher's up there and it's like giving you a lesson plan. You have a freaking textbook, blah, 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 blah. And I don't think the, the mystery schools in that sense were, were like that. I wasn't to say that there couldn't be a lodge or a place to go or that sort of thing, but what these sort of, what do you want to call them? Uh, whatever systems of wisdom or whatever, they keep a light 
and the imagination, they keep the mystery alive. They keep the mysteries alive. So you're always, when you go to these things, you, you constantly, if you're, uh, you're an honest seeker, if you're, if you're a genuine initiate to the mysteries, you'll go to these, once again, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, and you'll be initiated into the study of astrotheology, the study of comparative mythology, the study of mathematics and, you know, geometry and number symbolism. You'll get introduced to whatever, like whatever, whatever, Kabbalah and occult and esoteric wisdom, hidden knowledge, ciphers, things like that. And so what these, what these systems of wisdom do is serve as that thing to keep the mysteries alive. That, like, if you look at Freemasonry, most people want to cast a, a shaded Freemasonry and just say it's basically all this you know, evil institution, right? What you have to understand is Freemasonry is exactly what Freemasonry says it is. It is a science of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. It is a science of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. What, what it is there to do is to put the initiate on the path to returning to God. We say, you come down here, you're in your rites of passage. You have to go through that rites of passage to purify the soul, purify the mind, purifying the heart, turning that ashlar, the rough ashlar, infected ashlar, lead to motherfucking gold. What I'm saying, right? That that whole process, right? And masonry is there to basically keep that alive. Now, because it is that, because it is that, that's why you will have evil people sometimes associated with masonry. That's why you'll find a lot of these nefarious groups and evil organizations. They see that that's a golden path and they will try to attack it. They'll try to, dis they'll try to destroy it, disrupt it place the blame, make it a scapegoat, blame, blah, 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 blame those guys, blame those guys. And it works a lot of the times. But if you're honest with your study of like masonry, Rosicrucianism and Knights Templar and stuff like that, what you will consistently find is that it will lead you on the path to, to understanding the deeper mysteries, the same ones that Christ taught. That's why I always say masonry for me, led me, I'm, I'm writing this right now, which is called Lord Jesus Christ going in and explaining, this is a whole like 500 page book, basically on all the mysteries of Christ. And the reason I'm doing what I do is because I actually studied masonry and took it seriously. I didn't just like say, oh, there's the, the boogeyman, there's the bad guys there. So that's, that's what those institutions, not, I don't want to say institutions, but organizations, systems of wisdom, volumes of literature, alchemy, astro alchemy, hermeticism, Rosicrucianism, that sort of thing. That's what it's there for. So, and, and that said, all sorts of characters get involved with that wisdom tradition, all sorts, people of high morals, people of very low, but I mean, psychopaths and people that are wicked. And also the, the well, once again, the true initiate, the true seeker, the man of, of, of a, with a golden heart. Right. And because we're in a dimension of good and evil, it's open for everybody. Yeah. So I, I feel what I'm, what I'm trying to do is basically. I'm sorry. I don't mean to rant anymore. I just want to say oh, one more thing. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. What I'm trying to do is get people. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is to get people to take the, take the blinders off, like all the preconceived notions and biases and superstitions and all that baggage that was, has been put on this stuff over the years by essentially a lot of paranoid people that really haven't done a lot of their homework is to lift that off and see it with new eyes again and realize you're not looking at a canon of information that is occultic and demonic and satanic because all, all, everything comes from God in that sense, right? Satan 
evil people, all they do is manipulate, steal, pervert, they're tempters, they're thieves, blah, 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 blah. Everything comes from God. So when you get to the heart of the wisdom behind all of this, it's the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of the creator. And so I'm trying to get people to that baggage off and take this blinders off and just look at it with new eyes again. And you realize it's glorious. And that's why they want to hide it. Yeah. To your point, I just saw with this whole Travis Scott thing that just unfolded, I saw somebody point out a tattoo he has on his arm and say, look, he's got a tree of life on his arm. That means he's a Satanist. And I'm like, the tree of life? Uh, First of all, it wasn't a tree of life. It was like a cartoon of a tree. It was not a tree of life. But I think you're making uh, excellent, very well said. And I want to go a little deeper on the Kabbalah, which has been mentioned several times. I mean, you'll see it's spelled different ways. You'll see it spelled with a C, a K, or a Q. And I've read that that is distincted because the C is a Christian Kabbalah, the K is the, the Hebrew Kabbalah, and then the Q is the Rosicrucian or uh, Hermetic Kabbalah. Is that in line with what you understood? Well, I mean, the, 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 not not necessarily, because I mean, I oh, I'm I'm writing literally writing about this right now. It's like one of the last chapters of my book, it's a pretty long chapter, probably hundred pages or whatever. But basically, going through all of these misconceptions about what this is. First and foremost, most people would be like Kabbalah is a, it's Jewish mysticism because that's essentially how it's been defined nowadays, right? And once again. That's just a a huge misnomer because when you understand what the principles of Kabbalah are, you realize that at the core, it's understanding in one sense, numeric symbolism and no one owns math. No one owns the number seven. No one owns the 36 triangular. No one owns the number 45. What I mean, no one owns the triangle. When you get past any, um, once again, superstitions or belief and things like that, you get to the core of it. You're, you're seeing that universal wisdom tradition. So. Kabbalah is that the 10 emanations of a God, as I explain in the book, are the numbers zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You've, and, and those nine, those 10 emanations of God are put on the Kabbalistic tree of life, right? Well, I go and show that the Norse have the exact same thing. You have the zero, which is basically the nothingness at the beginning of creation, the dark waters as it's, as it's usually mythologized as, and then you have nine levels around a big ass tree called the Yggdrasil tree which is in the center of all creation. There's, you speaking of the tree of life, you have the Bodhi tree. Always, there's always these trees, they're Celtic. There's a Celtic tree to, um, I forget, but but you you constantly reference these things that are fundamental within, like Buddha had his big revelation under the Bodhi tree. This is a reference to the Kabbalistic truth that ultimately references one and the sort of divine science behind everything. If you ask most people what Kabbalah is, they're going to probably tell you it's Jewish mysticism, it's demonic devil worship or whatever. And then you'll ask those same people, well, have you read anything by any scholar, mystic, that sort of thing about Kabbalah? And what you'll find is they'll, they'll, they'll tell you exactly what I just told you. Like you were saying, there's Christian, Christian, Kabbalah is just a study itself. So you can have Christians, you can have Gnostics, you can have Hebrews, you can have Norse followers go into Kabbalah. So it's not the ownership of anyone. It's, it's belongs to everyone and no one in that sort of sense. Right. So, and that's a foundational wisdom system that is universal. It's behind this creation. Right. Right. And that's 
that's to understand the poetry. Once again, to get back to how, how numbers are behind really the, the, the design of this creation that gets back to like the poetry of simple, like water crystallizing in midair to form hexagonal forms to fall on your tongue. There's, there's a, there's a divinity to it. And Kabbalah is seeking out the, that understanding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think the, uh, another version of this path back to divinity that's been shrouded in all sorts of misconceptions is the tarot card deck. I recently came across Daniel Loeb's work and he links the tarot card deck to the Kabbalah, which I'm curious to know your thoughts on, on the links there and, and what you've learned about the tarot as it applies to Gematria. Same. I mean, well, I mean, there, there's, okay. For instance, right. There's in, let's start here. Let's just do a few, a few things, right. Major and minor arcana, right. You're given 22 and 56 cards, right. To make total of 78, right. Well, the, the minor arcana, which is 56, right. Right. Major is 22 minors arcana. this 56, 56 is you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right. That equals 28. That's the 28 phalanges of our two hands. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, 14 times two is 28. So adding one, two, three, four, five, six, seven equals 28. Well, the divisors of 28 equal 56. So one, two, four, seven, 14, and 28. If you add those up, it equals 56. So just the, the minor arcana in and of itself, just within how many cards there are is a reference to once again, these fundamental mathematics that's on your hands and your feet that everyone has. Right. Okay. So there's that. Then you go to, let's look at the, the, the 22. It's actually zero through 21, right? So the fool is zero. Right. Correct. So it's zero, one, two, three, four, six, nine, 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 it's 21. One, two, three, four, five, six. If you add that up, it's 21. Do you, what did I just added through is the six six sides of it of one, two, three, four, five, six. If you add that up, it's 21. Zero through 21 is your 22 of the Torah, right? Kabbalah is the root of the word Kabbalah. So Kabbalah means cube. And that's the Kabbalah is the very place in Mecca. It's the holy site of Mecca where they go and they circumambulate around that thing seven times. And then they go and take 21 stones and then they throw it against the wall to curse Satan, right? So you have these, once again, if you, yeah, if you go, if you, once again, you peel the, the carnal veil off of this shit, if you will, and get to the mystical core of it, well, number one, numbers, number one, numbers are going to be at the foundation of this and are right. So yeah, that's, so the tarot deck. So the fundamental process, so we are talking about how earth is a rites of passage and basically Kabbalah is this wisdom tradition that tells you about this, that tells you that you're supposed to be on this path to once again take the soul of the human being, take it from that lead to the gold, right? Well, what's the first card in the Tarot deck? It's zero and it's what? It's a fool. It's a fool. And that's everybody. That's everybody that's, that places their two, 28 flinches is their two feet on the ground of earth. You come here and you don't know shit. You, there's, you're not given any answers to anything. You don't know anything. You don't know who you are, where you are, where you're going. You don't know what earth is. You don't know if there is or got you know, a million questions. The fool. And ultimately you're supposed to make that journey to what? To the end. And that is what? The world. The world card. 
And that's to recognize that you are, that the man ultimately is a reflection of the entirety, right? As above, so below, that you are made in this image, that ultimately you are the cosmic man, the anthropocosm, that sort of thing. So that whole process is encoded in the Tarot deck. And it's no different than the, the Christian redemption. It's no difference. Right. So a lot, once again, trying to, to how many people, especially Christians, like fundamental and liberalist Christians, would you know, just freak out? It was like, oh, Tarot, that's all demonic. And it's, it's complete nonsense. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it kind of goes to show how there is this state of ignorance that is encouraged rather than a state of enlightenment. Our society tends to, to encourage people to know as little as possible so that they can spend the most time working towards someone else's gain or someone else's free will. And I think the reason why most people come to your work or, or many of the other brilliant people who speak on podcasts is because they want to change their life. They want to change the trajectory of their life. They want to find something that is in alignment with who they really are. And it's really awesome to see that you've done that for yourself. I wonder as this journey took place when you're younger, you said 28, I'm 27. So I'm coming up on my Saturn return and feeling like synchronicities have become kind of like road signs and a lot of listeners really vibe with that and reach out and say, yeah, I love synchronicities and they, they share their synchronicities. Was that at all a part of that? And do you think numbers are essential to understanding synchronicities? Yes. Syn I mean, synchronicities are huge. They are because they're, they are like, to me, they're like sign. When you start to recognize them, they're like little signposts that you're on the path. Right. Because that means you're starting to wake up to weird things about the world, things that line up that happen to you almost like little magical, mir miraculous little moments, right? Where there's certain connections. I mean, everybody has them, as you're saying, how many people talk about these things? You start to notice them that, that at least for me, it was one of those things that it's like that having something like a synchronicity happen. Let me give you an example. And I'll say what I'm saying. The first podcast I ever did, I forget what it's called. First podcast I ever did. Nervous, right? Woke up the night before the podcast, going on to talk about pie, right? Obviously. First book I did called The Great Work. Woke up and I looked at the clock and it was 3.30. Or I go to, I woke up, I go to go get a glass of water. And I go in the kitchen and I see the clock and it says 3.13. And I was like, huh, that would have been really interesting if I would have woke up at 3.14. Just as I thought that the clock switches right and this the first podcast i ever did things like that right when those things started happening to me what it did is like i was forever i was fed a very materialistic me mechanistic view of the world right and that's what modern science does you're material you're a fucking monkey and you've evolved and blah 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 and we're spinning and it's all going to her out because of blah blah anyway right you taught that and what a synchronicity does is basically says like that mechanistic sort of nuts and bolts, gears and mechanisms approach to understanding reality is for lack of a better word, retarded that like the, the world is more magical. It's more poetry. There's something, there's a creative force here and you can see it happening with things like synchronicities in your own life. When I started on this path and started getting math involved, right? Then I started seeing math a lot, right? I, of course, right? And a, a lot of this is just because you're starting to wake up in your mind because you've never 
I didn't study math before. So now I'm just seeing math a lot. Okay. But then you start seeing those synchronistic moments happen in math. And it's like this whole nother weird thing. Let me give you an example. There's a guy named Daniel Tammet, right? And Daniel Tammet is known for a very famous guy for reciting, remembering and reciting like, and he's sort of autistic, right? And reciting and remembering like 22,000 digits of pi. You can look it up, right? 21, 22,000 digits of pi. And he did it by like memorizing or basically going through his mind and seeing colors and shapes and the colors and shapes would represent a number. That's how, this is how he explains it anyway. And so in my journey, before I had even started writing a book or anything like that, I remember hearing about this guy and I had read about him and things like that. And his name is Daniel Tam. And I was like, fucking weird. Right. And uh, so later on, I see him again. And I look him up on Wikipedia and Daniel Tammet was born on January 31st, 1979. And he's, he's the pie guy. He's the pie guy. Well, I was born on January 31st, 1979. Sort of God. So there was things like that. There was like, whoa, whoa, what, what is that? But I'm saying like that have no connection in any sort of reasonable way whatsoever, but that showed up when I just happened to go look at that sort of thing. Yeah. Those things are shows that there's some sort of magic going on, that it, it's that this is a theater of God's imagination or something. Right. Yeah, man. I'm just like at the edge of my seat over here because I had a very, very similar sync with a person who has been his, his category of person has been mentioned already. A lot of people are very, very superstitious about him. But I found some real dark energy mixed with some interesting, good energy when I examined Aleister Crowley. And I also found out that he was born on the same day as me, obviously not the same year, but the same day. And that same day, maybe like a day before, I did an episode with Sam Tripoli on Tinfall Hat about Aleister Crowley and basically put me where I'm at now with what I'm doing with the podcast, because something that I had researched and talked about, I gave an even spread. I said, this is the real truth about why people should dislike Crowley. And then here's some things that are kind of good about what he uh, brought to the literary table, so to speak. What are your thoughts on Crowley? You mentioned people have superstitious thoughts about characters like this. So I'm curious to know what, what you think about him. I never really paid that much attention to him. I listened to the book of the law. I never read it on, on tape. And then I think I read a few passages from magic 777 or something like that. But there was so much for me, I, I just didn't, he, that, he didn't really trip my trigger because there's so much hoopla and hype around the guy. He didn't like, because uh, I'd say uh, who he was this absolutely wicked, evil man, stuff like that. And, and he was doing all the shit that he was doing. Okay. That's fine. You can still learn from evil people. Right. Right. Like I said, you could, you could, you, if, if, if that your heart is pure and that you you're in it for what you're in it for. And that's to get real reunification with God, immortal life to turn that lead into gold. You can go right up to an evil person. And know that once again, that evil person might be going to the same school, might be going to Hogwarts as well, which means they're going to be filled with a bunch of wisdom. Doesn't mean you can't learn from that person. Does that mean you should go follow their trajectory or their path? I don't know. You know that I, I what I'm saying like, no, you have to stay the course. That's your thing. Well, so there's that, but 
I haven't looked into any of that, but I mean, I would be happy to. It's not like people think that it's like if you were researching Alistair Crowley, you know, it's just the, the other thing. What's so interesting about that take too is people like, oh, don't talk bad. That's demonic. It's like, once again, even if it's your enemy, know your enemy too. Right. And then once again, if the guy is as demonic as they said, then you also have to trust what a lot of the media was saying about these people at the time. Or a lot, once again, if somebody was actually really, really wise, was actually trying to educate the public and stuff like that. Number one, who knows how much he was fucking with people. There's that question. But I'm saying like, if, if he wasn't going to get a fair shake in the media anyway, maybe he was pulling a freaking Bob Dylan or something like that, that sort of thing. There's all of that stuff that there, we'll never really know. That's all questionable that if you're an actual honest researcher, you have to say, maybe that's what's going on. So I don't know, like I said, there was too much noise around Crowley. So I, I never really paid it too much mind about it's like encoding stuff like that. People think that because somebody like Crowley, that will automatically taint somebody's efforts into like researching Gamatria or putting numbers to ladders or well, like that guy's demonic. I've seen it. He was doing stuff with goats or taking drugs or some shit. And so therefore anything he's doing is demonic. Well, that's, that's where I'm just like, look, you're, you're, you're totally misguided when you, when you take that approach what I'm saying. Not even, not you, anybody takes that approach because once again, it's like, just because he's evil doesn't mean he's not dealing with divine things, that sort of thing. I'm wondering if we could go over to maybe an equally controversial topic that people should be so superstitious about, which is flat earth. I have several friends who are flat earthers. I actually worked on a dairy farm for a whole summer milking cows with a family of flat earthers, and I came to appreciate their way of, of thinking from a real intimate perspective, rather than what most people find when they run into flat earth, which is like internet posts and videos and, and red squiggly lines showing you things on an internet video and, and it can put people off, I think. But when I took it from this family and they kind of explained to me why they believed in flat earth, I definitely had a whole different, a different view on it. And I'm wondering what you have uh, to say about that and how you came to that conclusion. Well, I just got back from speaking at the Flattober Fest. So I'm definitely in a lot of flat earther. Yeah. I mean, I think it was 2015, I guess, maybe something like that. Late 2015 came upon flat earth and took about three days. And I was like, well, we're not on a ball. Basically it was, and I didn't know what every, anything, what, what the construct was at that point. And in, in this sense, still don't entirely through all variables they were, they were telling us. And, and I was already sort of there in many respects because I'd studied a lot of ancient cultures or at least some of the basics of cosmology. It's, there's no freaking question that if you just look at a lot of the classic cultures, they, so many of them said the earth is or cornered flat has some sort of dome over it. They'll draw it that way. It doesn't matter if it's Babylonians, the Hebrews, the fricking Mayans. We could just go and, and people have it. Indians, they all mention a sort of, you know, geocentric, earth centric, if you will, cosmology. So I knew that instant already just by studying all the shit. And then you actually came to flat earth. And then my first question of flat earth was, well, if it, it's, this is an easy question. Right. Well, just measure curvature. So, and then the first thing I said was send a balloon up. It blew, and basic trigonometry is going to tell you it's going to start curving. 
now we've, we've done this. I don't know. I mean, not only have we seen miles and miles and miles and miles further than we should, according to their right spherical trigonometry that is attributed to heliocentrism in the globe. Not only do we see farther than that, but we've sent balloons, people have sent balloons up now. And you were up 21 miles, 20, whatever it is, 23 miles up. And there, there's nothing, nothing left or right, forward, back, nothing. So at this point, flat earth, at, at, at anybody that's clinging onto the globe anyway, at this point, whether you want to believe the earth's flat or not, that's, that's your thing. But clinging onto the globe at this point is a joke. It's absolute ridiculous. It's just absolute folly. So no, you're not spinning at 1,037.5 miles an hour. No, the sun is clearly not 93 million miles away. None of it is. I just go out every single night to pee and I look up and Orion's right there. Every single, we're supposed to be, the sun's supposed to be traveling, what, half a million miles an hour or some crazy nonsense. But it's just, it's, it's, it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish right now to still cling to that, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely stay as open-minded to it as possible because you hear very strong opinions on both sides, but I, to your credit and to many flat earthers credit, you guys have great arguments. And I think for the most part, those arguments don't get heard out by the people on the other side. They tend to just dismiss it all as, oh, well, as soon as you say you're a flat earther, you're dumb. I, I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine. He was basically making that point that flat earth is a psyop. It's made to discredit people who are then going to look into a similar concept to what we kind of established with mathematics, how they confuse us and complicate things and, and turn us away from, from learning about the, the higher truths and how to connect with divinity. I don't agree with either way. I, I try to stay kind of as agnostic as possible for my own sake right now. Is there something I'm missing? Is there an implication of flat earth that, that really makes it uh, important to you? Like, What's the significance you've found before this deception of the, the shape of the earth? Okay. The, the, let me say two things here. The, so my wife and I were just talking about this too. Like the first thing is like when somebody says it's the psyops to discredit people and stuff like that, well, that would be assuming that people like myself are actually seeking, like, we don't really care about the people that would think it's a joke because most of those people are incredulous anyway. It's like, you're still seeking like agreement to a bunch of people, like in the scientific community that have their heads up their ass when it comes to nearly everything in the world bunch of people that are going to go tell you to shove a vax in your arm and all this other shit. It's like you're seeking approval from a bunch of people who are incredulous. So that idea that's like, oh, it's going to, it's a psyops to discredit people. I, I don't, and that's no, the truth will win out in the end. And right. And science is always open investigation. So it's almost like people saying that are trying to stop the conversation to be had or something. It's like, well, no, that's not going to happen. Like, I mean, most flat earthers I know are some like extremely bold about it because it's completely life-changing to get to the second point I was going to make. It's completely life-changing. Think about it this way. The classic, the, the seven classic liberal arts, quadrivium and trivium, grammar, rhetoric, logic, what is it? Music, number, cosmology, and uh, what is the other one? Number geometry, duh. Marty leads here. Cosmology is one of them. Right. So the, one of the, the, the foundation seven, by the way, of course, seven, here we go again. Right. One of the most foundational things is the foundation of which you're standing. So to know where you are is to, is to come to understand your relationship to God better. 
If they keep you on a ball spinning out in the middle of nowhere, that could be bombed at a comet because that's the next thing that's coming. False flag incoming in the next couple of years, faking a comet, crashing into a city. Mark my words. I've been saying that for a while. Not that I want to bring that upon, but anyway, just knowing where you are is all about knowing what you're doing here. When you realize that there isn't a million star systems out there and endless galaxies and black holes and infinite galaxies within multiverses and blah, blah, fucking blah. You realize that the whole drama is happening center stage earth's right here. You get a better perspective again, once of, of, of what evil's doing too, trying to control the realm, the realm in which, uh, where souls come down to be reborn back to God. So that earth is a huge part of that. In, in that sense, it is physically anyway, the biggest conspiracy. You can't argue with that. I mean, if you don't want to believe the earth's flat, I guess, but geometrically it can be absolutely proven that it's not a sphere. Right. 100% certain. And so there's that. And it comes to the fact that it's like, yes, it has everything to do with your relationship to the divine. Right. That's why I stay agnostic because every time I like talk to, to people who are in the flat earth camp, I'm immediately sold again because you make great points. Can I say you should totally get Dave Weiss's app, D-I-T-R-H's app. That's the best way. It really is for right now, the best way to get into flat earth because, and it's called the flat earth. What is it called? Sun, moon, and zodiac. I think he gets, he gets mad all the time that we say it wrong, but it's a, gr it's great. It's five bucks. And it's got a bunch of the channels on there that cover flat earth. All the questions you have, what about, where's the edge? What about fucking gravity curvature, et cetera, et cetera. ISS, NASA, all the, all the, all the countries of the world, they're all in on it, blah, 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 blah. It just goes one by one and shows you endless amounts of videos that you can check. I mean, you'll get, you could get lost for a solid weekend, just exploring videos and seeing the shit for yourself. So that's, I, I, I find that the best way to get into it right now. And of course I'm promoting that because my channel's not on there, so, <laughs> but there's, there's tons of great info on there. And then beyond all that, now it, he's also got all these other things, all these other quote unquote conspiracies you can get into COVID-19 and whatever, 9-11 and blah, 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 fake in history and et cetera, et cetera. So, well, and on that point of history and the timeline manipulation, Tartaria seems to have exploded lately as a topic. I know it's been around for a long time within the last two or three years. Everybody's talking about Tartaria. You see it on YouTube, podcasts, et cetera. Have you dove into this area and researched it? What are your thoughts on Tartaria? Yeah. I mean, basically what, what, what's been happening for many, many years Things that we've been talking about for many, not, I'm not saying that to be like I'm prophetic or something like that. Just things we've been talking about for many, many years are really coming to light for a lot, a lot of people now, right? And more and more information is bubbling up and being and being found because of this, right? There's really a great awakening happening in this sort of sense. Is that what, a lot of things that I got into, for instance, like Mayan calendar, studying Mayan calendar stuff, studying Egyptian pyramids, studying Chich, you know, Chichen Itza, and like all of these ancient basically megalithic sites and things like that, where the stonework is insane, the Gothic cathedrals, the, the architecture is just absolutely astounding, all this sort of stuff. None of that shit fits with the timeline of history that we're given, this sort of slow 
evolution of thing from simple to complex kind of thing that they, they push, right? An overall belief system that's really been programmed into us. It never made any sense when you look at the heightened wisdom that's clearly encoded within these masterworks of engineering, like fucking pyramids and these once again, right? So that's been happening for a long time, which basically says, look, the, what, are, what we've been told about history, what we understand about history is nonsense. Then you get Tartaria, right? The discovery of this Tartaria, right? And that's clearly, it's in maps, it's in encyclopedias, and people have talked about it. There's people that travel through the land, they've got history, they've got, they've got legends, all this other stuff. There's no question, different cartographers made maps, all this sort of stuff. There's no question it's, it was absolutely a country, an empire. And not just some land up north or whatever in Mongolia where they're just like, oh, it's undiscovered land. They're just calling it Tartaria. No, this is obviously an empire. And the fact that an entire empire of people has been wiped completely from history should say everything to anyone that's studying history and still is relying on the quote unquote objective record of history that we've had for 2000 years or whatever. It takes all of that and says, look, it's not saying you can throw the whole thing out, but to rely on it as objective truth is complete horseshit. If they can make an entire empire disappear, what else have we lost? Then you get into myths. You get into the stuff we're talking about, the ancient wisdom, occulted wisdom, how that there's high wisdom within myths and religious stories, clearly, right? All of that sort of stuff. You get to things like giants. The prevalence of giants is fucking everywhere. You can't go to like native tribes in Americas, to Indian, to the Bible, to whatever. Looking at the stone cuts of Egypt and stuff like that. It's like, look, we don't, do we have any uh, objective record of history of giants? No, but is it so, po is it possible that basically all of that's been erased? I think it's not only possible, I think it's probable. I think it's, that's exactly what's happened. So what this does is really gets, it's, it's sort of, a, once again, one of these sort of epiphanies or whatever, that's like, look, you can't look back at history and believe in anything 100%. And what we're told is being told to us specifically to, to get us away from understanding who we are, understand what, what's happened, what's, what earth really is. When you come to understand that the earth's flat, right? That human souls are down to reunify with God. And that the whole point of erasing history was so that they could control the future, that sort of thing. You look back at this, the, the remnants of history and the scattered remain, the art, the, the, all of that sort of stuff, the anthropology and the archeology, span that's all freaking dilapidated and falling apart and shit like that. You look at that and you realize like, I, it, it starts to make sense in a grander scale, what's gone on. This, I think we're cutting here because it's, it's a living mystery. And then you realize that that's what life is down here. And that's a sense. It's a living mystery. So I don't know. The Tartaria conversation is, is awesome. It really is because it basically just, once again, it just brings up that notion that forget about what you think about what's happened in history. You look, I don't know if you know, the, like the, one of the big ones is the, the, what the 1893 world fair in Chicago. Right. I don't know if you've seen that. John Levy's got a. Yeah, I, was just I mean, into something last night about that uh, certain architect who built scroll and key 
one of the secret societies at Yale University, was also one of the architects that helped out with the uh, Chicago World Fair in 1883. So I, I felt like an interesting connection because I'm in Connecticut. So I'm very curious about Yale and Skull and Bones and those three secret societies. I've actually been inside of the Wolf's Head Lodge because I was a bakery delivery guy. So that kind of brought all of this geometry into reality because I saw firsthand how they use that geometry in sort of their little hall and be it what it is within Yale, they're, I don't know, they're not exactly Freemasonic, but they definitely have that sort of flavor, you can say. But yeah, it's very interesting. Go on with the World's Fair, though. What have you you learned? You mentioned John Levy has a great... Oh, just... Oh, yeah. I mean, if you just research it, I mean, it's... what's What was there was just magnificent. I mean, but basically a palace. Right. And, they, and it clearly wasn't just erected for a freaking... A few... Happy weekend in Chicago. They say you know, it's built it out of temporary materials. It seems like yeah, I mean, a, a, a really odd explanation for it. Yeah, I mean, clearly horseshit. In you know, clear and clearly nonsense. And so then you look at that, and it's like, well, what happened to all the people that built that? And wait, I thought when the colonialists and shit got here, it was just a bunch of Native Americans that were running around and. Wait, block, entire swaths and periods of history just gone in the wind. And you have to realize that's like, oh, people that would be critical of that. It's like all the take is one sort of cataclysm, one sort of reset in some sort of way. And you almost can get lost, especially if you had to spend, especially a couple decades rebuilding or whatever your civilization. How much would we get lost? How much would be, how much wrong information? would get passed on to the next generation. How much bullshit history, you know what I'm saying? So this really gets into that study of like, we get into the myths, the lore, the legends, the folklore, the riddles, the rhymes, and especially the religious history, you get a better understanding of really what earth is right? and what's happened. Cause you're never really gonna know what's happened. The only being that knows exactly what's happened is God recorded in the Akashic records or whatever, memory of the divine, whatever you want to say. But we'll, we'll never know that, at least as material forms here. We'll never know what's actually happened. Now, to that point, you, you showed us on camera here your book that you're getting into on Christ. I'm very curious to, to dive into that topic before we let you go. Maybe how we can integrate Christ consciousness. Do you touch on that? Is that a theme in that book or are you looking at the, something else entirely? Basically what the book is, is sort of the culmination we've done for the last like 10, 12 years is essentially explore this, the mystery, the, the mysteries, if you will, and understand that there is a universal wisdom tradition, a universal, what do I want to say? A universal religion inherent within creation. And that's what the mysteries are all about. All of the mystery schools, all the mystery traditions, whether that's alchemy, what's again, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism is all trying to point to this notion that there's a universal inherent mystery, you know, religious process within creation. And that this is what the mysteries are all about. And Christ is, a, is, is, the, is the grand personification of that. That entire process of essentially getting back to God, that Christ 
And the name Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, actually encodes all of these things that you find when you study this stuff. Whether that's the, I mean, I don't want to get too much into this, but basically that the Lord Jesus Christ in in and of itself, in himself, is a compendium of the mysteries. And so the whole book is on that, about how he's, he's encoding the concepts of heaven and earth, all the mathematics encoded within Jesus Christ, the cycle of the sun, the moon, squaring the circle, doubling the cube, the Kabbalah, all the Kabbalah that's, that's behind the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it in Greek, look at it in English, go through basically all the, the 10 emanations of God and how Jesus encodes that, how his, how basically Lord Jesus Christ in and of itself is a syllabus. It's a, it's, you, you can learn all the mysteries through Christ. So that's what the whole book is about. And so when I, after years and years and years and years of doing all of this stuff and studying intensely and writing all this other stuff, I wanted to make a more like complete work on everything that I'd done and, and not just because a lot of the previous work was like really exploratory. I was just throwing shit against the wall to see what would stick for the sake of the journey. And so a lot of stuff didn't bear any fruit. It didn't, was wrong, all that sort of stuff. So I wanted now to make a more complete work that was like, no. Everything I'm going to present is demonstrable. It's verifiable. It's repeatable. And when I started doing this, I was like, well, I can explain it all through Christ. I'll put, I'll make it. Christ is the foundation stone upon which I'll write everything. Whole thing just kind of was laid out right before me in that sort of sense. So yeah, that's what the book is. Wonderful. I love it. Well, please tell people where they can find that book when it is coming out. And it sounds like it's soon to be released and many other books that you've put out all self-published, right? This book that I have really awesome, really grateful to own it because it has elaborated on so many, so many things that we see every day in our lives and to know that there is a code behind it and that creator is sort of giving us these clues for our own self-discovery and that how that ties into the world around you. I think that's one of these levels that we all have to get to in order to get further on. And, and clearly you're someone who's been <clears throat> beyond the 10 levels and we are so grateful for you joining us here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. One last question for you. Does your family think you're crazy, Marty? No, actually they don't. They don't. I mean, maybe a little bit, but they, they're very, very tolerant. Let's just say that. Right. So. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> that's something to look forward to for all out there. When you work hard at something and you garner this much wisdom, your family tends to respect you, even if they don't agree with you. So Marty, you're a testament yeah. to that. And dude, it's been a real pleasure. Please again, tell folks where they can find your stuff and uh, how they can follow up with you. Marlene33.com. It's basically the best place. You can get all the books there and get all the, the music, got a bunch of records. Yeah. Podcasts are there. Podcasts are all free. Got a bunch of old, like lecture, ton of lectures on a couple hundred on all sorts of different subjects. And then, yeah. And then well, I did that five and then the next one, now Lord Jesus Christ. But I did the redeclaration. I don't know if we, I mean, we didn't even talk about that, but the unanimous redeclaration of we, the people, which I rewrote the declaration of independence. And included that with an affidavit of status as well as the constitution. And you could buy that and actually it works as a passport. So it's an affidavit of status that works as a passport. And somebody, I just spoke to somebody at the uh, Flattoberfest that said they used to get on and off the plane. 
So they didn't have a passport, they didn't have a driver's license. They used the redeclaration that I made to, as, as a passport. So okay. it does work because it's actual legal documentation. So yeah, yeah. So that's available. Yeah. All sorts of stuff to find there. So happy sleuthing, happy digging. Right on. All right. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for listening. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Remember to support Marty Leeds at martyleeds33.com and show us some love on the Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. If you have any trouble finding it, go over to myfamilythinksimcrazy.com. All the links are there. Every episode I've ever done, including episodes where I was on other podcasts, you can find that all at myfamilythinksimcrazy.com. We have a Rockfin channel where you can find some of our video content. And we also have a Telegram channel. That's right, folks. You can stay tuned into the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy family through Telegram. That's right. We do live streams there. I post. I get in touch with the listeners of this show. And we have a big community growing there. So go into the description for this episode Make sure you're subscribed and following the Telegram channel for the My Family Thinks of Crazy podcast. <laughs>